Dads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Greetings, Junior Scholars. My name is Sir Bradley Hassey, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to inspire children and families with a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in Western literature, history, and scholarship. We must preserve the wisdom in the classics before it is lost forever, so our young ones don't have to learn these lessons on their own. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us, and a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every week. Last week, we read Puss in Boots and learned that one can use their mind to do good or evil. If you missed it, go back and give it a listen. This week, we have a monster of a tale, Jack the Giant Killer. This British fairy tale, set during the reign of King Arthur, was first recorded in 1711. The version we are reading today was compiled by Joseph Jacobs, an Australian folklorist and collector and publisher of English folklore in 1890. But first, lost and found words. Listen carefully to the meaning of these words and try and spot them during the story. First is Cornwall. Cornwall is actually a place. It is a county on the southwestern tip of England. It forms a rugged peninsula made up of wild moorland and hundreds of sandy beaches. I challenge you to find Cornwall on a map. Second, we have Conjurer. A conjurer is another name for a magician, wizard, or sorcerer. Next, we have an abode. An abode is the place where one lives, their home. Then we have contrive. To contrive means to plan, create, or form something together. Used in a sentence, you could say, Jack contrived a way to slay the giant. Next, we have idle. If you are idle, that means you are being lazy or inactive. You're basically not doing anything. And lastly, lament. Lament means to be very sad, to mourn, or even wail or cry loudly. And now, on to the show. We live in a beautifully created world filled with wonder, adventure, and danger. One of the truths of human life is that conflict is certain. It is not a question of if a challenge will come, but when a challenge will come. And when it does, you have a choice. You can either choose to be overcome with fear and afraid to act, or you can choose to be courageous, to face the fear and take action, even though you are afraid. In today's story, the main character is a lad, a young boy named Jack, who is described as bold and listened eagerly to the great things done by the knights of King Arthur's Round Table. This young boy was not a knight or a trained soldier, 
but a simple farmer's boy. For as long as Jack had lived, a terrible giant had attacked his village and stolen the villagers' food time and time again. That is until Jack decided to destroy the giant and save the village. Jack the Giant Killer Retold by Joseph Jacobs Narrated by Sir Bradley Hassey In the reign of the famous King Arthur, there lived in Cornwall a lad named Jack, who was a boy of bold temper and took delight in hearing or reading of conjurers, giants, and fairies, and used to listen eagerly to the deeds of the knights of King Arthur's round table. In those days, there lived on St. Michael's Mount, off Cornwall, a huge giant named Cormoran. He was 18 feet high and 9 feet round. His fierce and savage looks were the terror of all who beheld him. He dwelt in a gloomy cavern on the top of the mountain and used to wade over to the mainland in search of prey, when he would throw half a dozen oxen upon his back and tie three times as many sheeps and hogs round his waist and march back to his own abode. The giant had done this for many years when Jack resolved to destroy him. Jack took a horn, a shovel, a pickaxe, his armor, and a dark lantern, and one winter's evening he went to the mount. There he dug a pit twenty feet deep and twenty broad. He covered the top over so as to make it look like solid ground. He then blew such a blast on his horn, the giant awoke and came out of his den crying out, You saucy villain! You shall pay for this! I'll broil you for my breakfast! He had just finished, when taking one step farther, he tumbled headlong into the pit, and Jack struck him a blow on the head with his pickaxe, which killed him. Jack then returned home to cheer his friends with the news. Another giant, called Blunderbore, vowed to be revenged on Jack if ever he should have him in his power. This giant kept an enchanted castle in the midst of a lonely wood, and sometime after the death of Cormoran, Jack was passing through a wood, and being weary, sat down and went to sleep. The giant, passing by and seeing Jack, carried him to his castle, where he locked him up in a large room, the floor of which was covered with the bodies, skulls, and bones of men and women. Soon after, the giant went to fetch his brother, who was likewise a giant, to take a meal of his flesh, and Jack saw with terror through the bars of his prison the two giants approaching. Jack, perceiving in one corner of the room a strong cord, took courage, and making a slipknot at each end, he threw them over their heads and tied it to the window bars. He then pulled till he had choked them. When they were black in the face, he slid down the rope and stabbed them to the heart. Jack next took a great bunch of keys from the pocket of Blunderbore and went into the castle again. He made a strict search through all the rooms, and of one of them found three ladies tied up by the hair of their heads and almost starved to death. They told him 
that their husbands had been killed by the giants, who had then condemned them to be starved to death. Jack said to them, Ladies, I have put an end to the monster and his wicked brother, and I give you this castle and all the riches it contains to make some amends for the dreadful pains you have felt. He then very politely gave them the keys of the castle and went farther on in his journey to Wales. As Jack had but little money, he went on as fast as possible. At length, he came to a handsome house. Jack knocked at the door. When there came forth a Welsh giant, Jack said he was a traveler who had lost his way, on which the giant made him welcome and let him into a room where there was a good bed to sleep in. Jack took off his clothes quickly, but though he was weary, he could not go to sleep. Soon after this, he heard the giant walking backward and forward in the next room and saying to himself, Though here you shall lodge with me this night, you shall not see the morning light. My club shall dash your brains out quite. Jack thought to himself, Say you so? Are these your tricks upon travelers? But I hope to prove as cunning as you are. Then, getting out of bed, he groped about the room and at last found a thick tog of wood. He laid it in his own place in the bed and then hid himself in a dark corner of the room. The giant, about midnight, entered the apartment and with his bludgeon struck many blows on the bed in the very place where Jack had laid the log. And then he went back to his own room, thinking he had broken all Jack's bones. Early in the morning, Jack put a bold face upon the matter and walked into the giant's room to thank him for his lodging. The giant started when he saw him and began to stammer out, Oh, dear me, is it you? Pray, how did you sleep last night? Did you hear or see anything in the dead of night? Nothing worth speaking of. A rat, I believe, gave me three or four slaps with its tail and disturbed me a little. But I soon went to sleep again, said Jack carelessly. The giant wondered more and more at this, yet he did not answer a word, but went to bring two great bowls of hasty pudding for their breakfast. Jack wanted to make the giant believe that he could eat as much as himself, so he contrived to button a leathern bag inside his coat and slip the hasty pudding into this bag while he seemed to put it into his mouth. When breakfast was over, he said to the giant, Now, I will show you a fine trick. I can cure all wounds with a touch. I could cut off my head in one minute, and the next put it sound again on my shoulders. You shall see an example. He then took hold of the knife, ripped up the leathern bag, and all the hasty pudding tumbled out upon the floor. Odds, splutter, and nails, cried the Welsh giant, who was ashamed to be outdone by such a little fellow as Jack. Er can do that herself. So he snatched up the knife, plunged it into his own stomach, and in a moment dropped down dead. Jack, having hitherto been successful in all his undertakings, resolved not to be idle in the future. 
He therefore furnished himself with a horse, a cap of knowledge, a sword of sharpness, shoes of swiftness, and an invisible coat, the better to perform the wonderful enterprises that lay before him. He traveled over high hills, and on the third day he came to a large and spacious forest through which his road lay. Scarcely had he entered the forest when he beheld a monstrous giant dragging along by the hair of their heads a handsome knight and his lady. Jack alighted from his horse and tying him to an oak tree put on his invisible coat under which he carried his sword of sharpness. When he came up to the giant he made several strokes at him but could not reach his body but wounded his thighs in several places and at length putting both hands to his sword and aiming with all his might, he cut off both his legs. Then Jack, setting his foot upon his neck, plunged his sword into the giant's body when the monster gave a groan and expired. The knight and his lady thanked Jack for their deliverance and invited him to their house to receive a proper reward for his services. No, I cannot be easy till I find out this monster's habitation, said Jack. So taking the knight's directions, he mounted his horse and soon after came in sight of another giant who was sitting on a block of timber waiting for his brother's return. Jack alighted from his horse and putting on his invisible coat, approached and aimed a blow at the giant's head. But missing his aim, he only cut off his nose. On this, the giant seized his club and laid about him most unmercifully. Nay, said Jack, if this be the case, I'd better dispatch you. So jumping upon the block, he stabbed him in the back when he dropped down dead. Jack then proceeded on his journey and traveled over hills and dales till, arriving at the foot of a high mountain, he knocked at the door of a lonely house when an old man let him in. When Jack was seated, the hermit thus addressed him. My son, on the top of this mountain is an enchanted castle, kept by the giant Galagantus and a vile magician. I lament the fate of a duke's daughter, whom they seized as she was walking in her father's garden, and brought hither transformed into a deer. Jack promised that in the morning... At the risk of his life, he would break the enchantment, and after a sound sleep he rose early, put on his invisible coat, and got ready for the attempt. When he had climbed to the top of the mountain, he saw two fiery griffins, but he passed between them without the least fear of danger, for they could not see him because of his invisible coat. On the castle gate, he found a golden trumpet, under which were written these lines. Whoever can this trumpet blow shall cause the giant's overthrow. As soon as Jack had read this, he seized the trumpet and blew a shrill blast, which made the gates fly open and the very castle itself tremble. The giant and the conjurer now knew that their wicked course was at an end, and they stood biting their thumbs and shaking with fear. Jack, with his sword of sharpness, soon killed the giant and the magician was then carried away by a whirlwind. And every knight and beautiful lady who had been changed into birds and beasts returned to their proper shapes.
The castle vanished away like smoke, and the head of the giant Galagantus was sent to King Arthur himself. The knights and ladies rested that night at the old man's hermitage, and the next day they set out for the court. Jack then went up to the king and gave his majesty an account of all his fierce battles. Jack's fame had now spread through the whole country, and at the king's desire, the duke gave him his daughter in marriage, to the joy of all the kingdom. After this, the king gave him a large estate, on which he and his lady lived the rest of their days in joy and contentment. The End Now that was an epic tale. Jack faced his fear and the terrible giants, and then was rewarded with a beautiful, noble wife, a large estate, and the favor of the king. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned that conflict, problems, and hard times will come. These are the giants you need to be prepared to face with courage. Just like Jack, the young farmer's boy, you were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love for your fellow man, and a sound mind. My junior scholars, in the days and years to come, when you feel scared and insecure, remember that you are a giant killer and go forth with a bold temper. I am Sir Bradley Hassey. As always, be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to thejuniorclassics at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.